Oh my God. You, because literally the thing would be like beep, 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 mother, mother, beep, mother, mother, beep, beep, mother, beep, mother, beep, 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 beep. One, two, one, two, three, four. <laughs> Welcome to Training for Ultra, the podcast. Welcome to the Training for Ultra podcast. I am Amelia Boone and speaking in a weird announcer tone, I'm <laughs> here with Rob and Maggie Carroll, uh, who's going to introduce our special guest today. Yeah, he's a really interesting guy that I've been talking to in email. He's, his name is Kermit Kibbutz, and he is the winner of the Training for Ultra podcast uh, with Amelia Boone. He was the highest bidder in the Run for Water auction, and I really appreciate it. Welcome to episode 77 of the Train for Ultra podcast. This is a fun one. This was the Amelia Boone charity episode. So between this episode and an upcoming Courtney DeWalter episode, we raised almost $1,000 for charity. So really cool cause. Maggie explains what the cause is you know, during the episode. And Kermit it has an outside perspective uh, from ultra running. So a lot of his questions or some of his questions are sort of unique. And uh, I thought it was fun hearing just totally new questions that haven't already been asked and explanation for the beginning prior to the intro. Maggie and I were seeing if Amelia Boone could do an edited version of the Jay and Silent Bob strike back rap. Um, (laughs) And she pulled it off. So that was impressive. I didn't think that was possible. I might actually not have to mark this episode explicit. So we'll have Amelia Boone back on to try the full the full song on probably edited also um enjoy this episode let's thank the sponsors really quick big thank you to destination trail really like what they're doing candace burt and her team enjoyed their moab 240 race i'm gonna do the triple here soon but they have a variety of races that you guys definitely need to check out if you have some free time Thank you to Exoskin. If you haven't tried them, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20, for 20% off. They make socks, calf sleeves, high-quality base layers with patented fiber technology that provides superior protection against chafing, blisters, hot spots, and most importantly, odor. But they are looking for ambassadors, so check out their website if you're looking for an ambassadorship. Big thank you to our newest supporter, Ultimate Direction. Excited to use their packs throughout all of 2019. Excited to tell you, you know, what pack I really like and what I'm using throughout the year. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I know I'll be using a lot of their gels and Perpetuum and Recoverite throughout 2019. Also their Fizz. And yeah, if you haven't tried Hammer, feel free to use my promo code. It is 2528888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. And lastly, thank you to Sufferfest Beer. Beer with benefits. I know I'm willing to sweat for this beer, that's for sure. But they have a a big variety. So if you haven't tried out the Taper, the Repeat, the Shakeout, FKT, and Flyby, give them a shot. Definitely try them out. It's just a good-tasting beer. Kermit, how you doing? Good. Is this Rob? This is Rob. I I have two friends on the phone also. Hey, Kermit. Hey, Kermit. Amelia Boone. Hey, and Maggie Guderol. Yeah, close enough. That's good. That's better than I can close do. Close enough. Yeah, how do you actually say it, Maggie? Guterol. Guterol. Okay. I'm I wasn't blessed with an easy to say name like Boone. <laughs> 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 All 
Well, Kermit, we're we're very thankful to have you on, and it's really cool that you you know bid on this podcast, and you know Maggie will definitely talk more about the charity and the cause and everything. But we you know just appreciate you having you know having the bid there and taking the time to join us. I was going to say, tell me about the charity when you get a chance. It's it's water. It's a good water. Yeah. So, yeah, I can start with that, too. Um, well, it's called Run for Water. And uh, we ultimately, with the auction and the initial donations, when I started in October, raised over $9,000. And uh, my friend is the founder. And, and, you know, his family is involved. In, and all the money goes exactly to um, building wells for areas or villages that don't have water, running water. And he found this village in uh, Uganda that has 500 people in the village. They don't have water. So the kids have to go to another village to get water. And sometimes they're turned away. And one child was recently hit by a car. So he thought this was like the perfect town or village to go uh, to put all the money in to build this well. He said it would cost about $9,000 to dig this well here. So all our money did that. Um, And so, you know, a good part of it was the money you uh, donated for the podcast. So thanks, Kermit. You mean there's no aid station between them and the other village? No, the aid station is sometimes out of water, I guess. So Yeah, we compl- we complain about an aid station being out of water. Right. I know. For that six-mile stretch or whatever. Oh. Yeah. I know. It's crazy. Like, I turned on the wa- faucet today and water came out. You know, I don't even think about it. My dog has clean water to drink. It's crazy. It's so fundamental. I have an ultra runner question. I have an ultra runner question. Yeah. Do ultra runners like to get a sponge at aid stations, like, you know, like water sponge on them over their heads? Or is that only like little runs? I feel like it depends on if it's really hot out. That's like a lifesaver for me. I think last year at Sean O'Brien, it was really, really, um, it was really hot out. It was in the, like the nineties in February. Um, and so every aid station, the volunteers would have the sponges and just like soak them over our heads. And it was amazing. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, they have them at every aid station at Western States. Cause, uh, they're, I mean, you guys are Amelia and Kermit are in California and I think mm-hmm. the, the heat's drier there. So, I mean, yeah. here you run in the summer and you're drenched in sweat and so you're wet the whole time, but there, the sponges help you stay wet and, and keep you cooler. So it's definitely, definitely helpful. I'm more of a ice in the hat, let it melt and kind of like trickle down the spine. Mm-hmm. And then also ice in the buff. And also just a big plastic bag of ice that I carry on my back sometimes for those hotter races. But I've only been in one race that actually had sponges. So I've, I haven't had that many opportunities, unfortunately. But You're missing out. Okay, so Kermit, um, we... We should probably start with a little bit of your background because you yeah. gave me an email and it's pretty interesting. And um, so you're an older runner, which would be really valuable to because, um, I mean, ultra running, you know, there's people in their 70s and 20s. And um, so I think it'd be interesting for people to hear about your running background and how you got into it. Um I didn't really start running too much until I was in my uh, like early 30s and then, and then started jogging. And I used to work in downtown San Francisco, and, uh, and I have hills in my neighborhood, so I like hills. And, uh, but I work in downtown San Francisco, and I got into running 
And my favorite run in those days was every once in a while, maybe a couple times a year, I would take off from the ferry building in San Francisco and run along the waterfront and across the Golden Gate Bridge. This is taking the afternoon off on a Friday and uh, run across the Golden Gate Bridge and down into Sausalito to a restaurant called the Trident, which is an old, old hippie bar restaurant. Yeah, and I know. Wow. Rehydrate there with, uh, you know, a pitcher of margaritas and some guacamole and chips and then take the ferry back about four o'clock. And that's probably, you know, one of the best afternoons you can have. I think it's like 11, maybe 11 and a half from the ferry building to the Trident in Sausalito. And then, as I said, margaritas and guacamole and chips. So Nice. Anytime That's someone cool. takes takes time off work to run, I'm a fan. It's kind of <laughs> it's rare we forget about it because our community is so obsessed with running. But that's really awesome, Amelia. And what? then I've done. Oh, uh, and then I've done uh, the double dipsy a few times. You were talking about heat. Once we were starting the double dipsy out at Stinson Beach, and I'm with a because you know they have age group uh, lead times. Mm-hmm. And so I'm starting out with the over 65 guys, and it was pretty warm. And one of the guys going out, starting up across the moor, says, oh, the last time it was this hot, a guy died on the course. Which <laughs> <laughs> made, made me feel real good as we were climbing uphill. But, uh, you know, that's, yeah. that's why you go, to have a good so- time. And the Dipsy is such a storied race. Have you, so you've, so you've run the double Dipsy. Have you run just the straight up Dipsy before? Only one time because the punishment for not getting into the Dipsy is you have, it was easier in the old days to get into the double Dipsy because, you know, the Dipsy has a limit of like 1500. Mm -hmm. And so the double Dipsy, at least years ago, before a lot of overflow, it was easy to sign up for. Now it's, now that one fills up too. Yeah, now they now they have the quad dipsy. You know, they have to <laughs> more and more races to try and get everyone, uh, you know, their share of that of that incredible trail uh, for sure. Talk people into more dipsy so that how many miles uh, Kermit can do the single dipsy? <laughs> <laughs> how many miles is a dipsy? A single 13? dipsy. Yeah, no, yeah. seven and seven something. Yeah, so it's a little bit over seven, and then uh, clearly the double dipsy is is twice that, and then the quad is is twenty eight point four. Okay. Um, but it's just, and but the 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 regular dipsy is interesting because you can take shortcuts, um, and whereas, and I'm not sure, Kermit, can you take shortcuts on the double dipsy? Uh, I think you can because I uh, was following some people, but not on the not on the quad. Uh, right. On the double. There are people, there are roads, and, well, that's part of the secret of the Dipsy is Mm -hmm. the people who stumble down ridiculously steep inclines with poison (laughs) oak on either side. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you guys have a lot of that. (laughs) Not worth poison oak there. You have poison oak. Yeah. And in California, everywhere, I feel like. Yes, we do. That's which is why I generally try and stay on trail. (laughs) You're You're the queen of pain. I, Kermit, is your pain threshold pretty high, or I mean, you're you're running yeah, some nice well, easy yeah, ones I here. Say that to doctors. I usually <laughs> say that to doctors. Go ahead and 
stab me a little more because my pain threshold. <laughs> but I guess it's pretty high. We we well, should backtrack. Too, yeah. But, so guys, I'm so right emailing here. you. Yeah. We gotta let our audience know. Like, so um, you know, I initially emailed Kermit to you know connect with him, be like, you won the Amelia Boone podcast, and it's funny because I think you're the only one in the entire auction and you won this bid on this podcast who probably doesn't know who Amelia Boone is. <laughs> and it's fu- kind of funny. And, uh, I don't even think you, you said, what's a podcast. I don't know what I won, but it sounded like a great cause. So thanks for your faith in that. Um, and it's really funny. I think it's, uh, I enjoyed emailing back and forth with you. Um, so Amelia is a good friend of mine, but she's also, uh, probably, I don't know if it's accurate, but probably one of the most decorated obstacle course racers ever um and she's also an ultra runner and i think she's kind of dabbling more in ultra running and kind of prefers that a little more now um we can ask her later about all that but and i'm an attorney yes (laughs) and she's a lawyer i forgot to add that you guys have a similar background i think you were real go-getters in school and you know you wanted to uh, conquer the world yeah making maggie and i feel like losers (laughs) here Yeah. So, um, but anyway, yeah, thanks for the background on you, Kermit. And you sent me some interesting stuff that I looked into. So, um, Kermit did something that probably, I don't know, I was trying, I was thinking a lot about it and wondering what I would have done in this situation. And I don't know, but, um, maybe you, you could tell the story if you want. Um, Kermit did something pretty crazy heroic back in, uh, what, 12 years ago? Uh, yeah, I can tell the story. Okay, so I'm in a little bakery near my house. And uh, this guy comes in, and he came in kind of quickly, like he was coming in. It's a little coffee shop, and, you know, people are relaxed. And he came in relatively quickly as I was heading out the door. And then I hear a sound, and I turn around, and uh, he's attacking a young woman, a 15-year-old girl. And it turns out he has been released mistakenly from San Quentin the day before. So he was basically trying to kill this uh, young woman. And so I had to pull him. And my thought it was domestic violence because he didn't say a word to her. I thought, you know, somebody he knew. But so my only thought was I have to get him out the door. So then I tried to grab him and he started stabbing me. So... I ended up in the doorway with a knife in my ribs and a punctured lung. So then a couple other people intervened. Fortunately, fortunately, there was a uh, emergency room doctor right outside who was able to uh, actually he got her in the side of the neck and he put the emergency room doctor put his thumb in her neck to keep her from bleeding out. And there was another guy who chased him. The guy took off in the in the parking lot running. So. The little girl calls us the three musketeers. But, you know, uh, that put a crimp in my vacation plans that year in my running. So Wow. I mean, that's – so have you had – did you have any lasting effects, like once your lung healed up? What is that – what are any, you know, long-term things there? I, I don't think so because that was 10 years ago, and I have run a lot since then. Uh, so it probably took – uh, when you're recovering from that, they give you this little ball and tube. And I forget whether you suck into it or blow into it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's uh, inhaling. It measures your lung capacity. And it took maybe five or six months to get back to relatively normal lung capacity. But 
Wow. You ultra runners ever measure your lung capacity? Once. No. Yeah, <laughs> I once, did like I did ago. the I did the VO2 max test on the treadmill, um, which was probably the most awful experience I've ever had. And I actually I don't have a great VO2 max apparently. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I was like in middle school and we did one and like this unassuming, uh, you know, smaller girl on the swim team, like totally beat out all the men in the lung capacity. Uh, you yeah, know, they, they shared all the results with the class and whatnot. And we were all in awe because young swimmer crushed us all. So <laughs> it was interesting, though. That's fascinating. The VO2 max. I assume that was Amelia, right? That was. Yes. That was the most painful? Uh, no, I mean, I've had way, but it was on a, so I hate running on treadmills and then they just keep speeding up the treadmill. Um, and I think that I just, I got to the point where I just couldn't run fast enough anymore to keep up with the treadmill, treadmill. Cause I'm not fast. Isn't that their goal so, though? To make you like push to the limit? You're supposed to, you're supposed to tap out apparently when you can no longer, like when you're. Like when you no longer. So you just flung off the back of the treadmill. Do you know? <laughs> Pretty much. Does so I think they, they say it's more accurate. I needed. I want to do a test where they do it, where they just increase the incline on the treadmill, and then mm-hmm. that. I feel like I stand a better chance with that. But this, I was just like, I can't run fast enough. I'm slow. You just don't have the turnover. You feel you like. Don't, I yeah. don't think tap out like registers in your head either. So unless they kick <laughs> you out. So. <laughs> no, but it was uh, the, the thought of just falling off the back of the treadmill though, while attached to one of those face masks you know is is not um <laughs> not something i wanted to be known for so you should tell your kermit about your dipsy experience actually oh yeah I mean, so kermit maggie told me that that you know that gave me a little bit of background about the dipsy and i was actually training for the quad dipsy this past year um and ended up uh breaking my foot when i was out on the on the trail going down those stairs at uh, around like steep ravine so i have um some some interesting feelings towards the dipsy right now <laughs> that i'm gonna have to overcome <laughs> but well that's yeah. like that's like i have the feeling i'm not competitive mm-hmm. except i feel if you haven't fallen down, you're not running hard enough. Yeah, I have true. a little bit. Of, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's a good oh, one. Oh, but that's that's good. Oh, yeah. I fall down pretty much every run. So. Courtney Court you know, DeWalter said I, I wasn't running hard enough because I wasn't hallucinating. Right. Like, yeah. Okay, that's fair enough too, I guess. But falling down's a good one too, Kermit. I like that. Yeah. So. Uh, I tend to fall down a lot, and I had a question. Maybe you can help me with my running, because one of my questions was, I shuffle. That, that is, I don't pick up my feet very far. I think I can run a long ways, and I think it's efficient. But really, I've seen that chariots of fire thing where he's coaching the guy, and he's telling him, knees up, knees up. You mm-hmm. think you think you build strength if you're lifting your knees higher when you're running than then I got to do something to avoid sh- shuffling because I hit I hit so many rocks and roots with just low passes over the trail. Yeah, I'm I'm a shuffler too. Um, I I'm really uncoordinated, so I think footwork drills help. Like you know those Have you ever done those ladder drills where you put that flat ladder on the ground and you do all those like fancy in and outs and all that karaoke? Have you ever done those? Do you know what I'm talking about? 
No. Oh, I'll send you. I'll send you stuff. Um, just like YouTube stuff. But I, I got more coordinated from just running technical. Philly. I live um in Pennsylvania, outside of Philly. We have really technical trails here. The more I ran technical trails, the the better I got at not falling all the time. But um, or maybe I'm not running as hard anymore. <laughs> but like, um. <laughs> I still don't pick up my feet enough. So when I get tired, I'd stumble more, but, um, I don't know. Maybe you just have like a more efficient gait. <laughs> uh, everyone's different, but I mean, are you falling down a lot? Cause maybe you don't need to change it. If you, if you're not picking your feet up. No, I just have to watch. Well, it's also the question of looking down when you run cause I shuffle and I want to avoid the rocks and the roots. I tend to look down rather than, forward a lot i don't know if you run looking forward or down i don't know yeah i try to do both but i'm mostly looking down and trying to also survey like you know feet in front of me that's actually i had to think about where i look when i run and i think it really depends on the trails on the dipsy i'm definitely looking down at my feet um i think it's what like generally like 20 feet in front of you is the ideal to kind of look ahead so you can see what's coming Exactly. I could be making that up. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I Sounds do. Right. I, I, I like set a path. So I'll look up and set a path about 20 feet in front of me. And then I'll look and focus in on each individual footstep. And if it's not a good race, I have to think about each footstep. If it's going well, like the footsteps just happen. So, mm-hmm. but I think running technical trails help me at least fall less because everything seems What do you easy. call a technical trail? I mean, in Colorado, some of the real just, you know, there's golf ball size rocks up to football size rocks, basically every other footstep. So it's just constant. It probably simulates exactly what Maggie's talking about with the um, some of those training drills. But yeah. it's, you know, you, Pennsylvania, yeah, so it, it's it, all rocks. So, I mean, yeah. it depends on where you are. Like, literally, the trail is made of rocks. So you know, I've heard people say Western states is technical in parts, and those people are from California. <laughs> right. I was going to say. Um, so basically, the technical trail, technical is like a reference to how much root, pretty much how much roots and rocks and things like that are on there. So if you're like, the, there are parts of the Dipsy, you know, where all of like, where it's very rooty and rocky. And so that's kind of like the technical areas. Um, and then clearly the stairs are a, a death threat for anyone. Um, but so that's kind of what we mean when we're like, sometimes it's just, it's practice on that type of terrain that it becomes way more um, familiar. There's no way to really mimic it. Though the drills actually. Kermit, yeah. Kermit, that's a, you're asking really good questions. I mean, keep them flowing. What do you, what yeah, else what do you wonder? <laughs> oh, I heard a couple of people say Western state. And I know a little bit about that because I have a friend who is the captain of the Cal track team many years ago when they won the national championship and he coaches track in Marin now. And I think he ran, is it the Western States uh, something? 100. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Technically the Western States endurance run. Oh, that's right. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So how long a hundred, a hundred kilometers, a hundred miles. Yeah, hundred miles. It's the oldest one, I, I guess, right? Because Gordy, yep. it, was, it was originally a horse race, and mm-hmm. the story goes that Gordy's horse was something happened to it, and he just ran up, it and yeah, said, "Yeah, went up lane." <laughs> yep. Yeah. 
Um, and I don't know how old Gordy is now. I mean, that started, was that in the 70s, like 1974 or something? I think so. Yeah, yeah maybe even earlier than that. Yeah, it's it's been a while, but he was the yeah. first one to be, like, we all just accept running 100 miles, but he was kind of the first crazy one to be like, okay, like, let's see if I can beat the horses. So Yeah, that's pretty crazy because, you know, now we know that, oh, I'm not going to die. But, like, that, back then, they didn't really know if you could die. In fact, the horses were dying <laughs> on this during his race. It's a true story. That just makes me sad. <laughs> I know. Well, now it's out. They don't run the horses that far anymore. Cause there's right. More, I just want to run Western tools. States once, guys. I mean, come on. Just run your way in with a uh, golden ticket rate. Rob. I mean, watch out. Black Canyon 100K is coming up. <laughs> Golden ticket opportunity. Yeah. Um, for so Kermit, Kermit. So what do you, Kermit what do you, I'm a very slow runner. So. <laughs> slow is good. If you can do slow all day long, that's exactly good. Right. I was going to ask, what is ultra running? What do you think is the beginning of ultra running? Amelia? Oh, yeah. man. What is it the beginning? <laughs> I, anything I mean, beyond a marathon. Yeah, anything beyond a marathon, but like, where did it come from? You know, and where did the, I think a oh, lot beyond of, a marathon? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So anything that's longer than a marathon is considered is considered an ultra. So a fifty k, fifty mile, hundred k, hundred mile. Now we have two hundred miles. There is a race that is a five hundred mile race, actually, um, as well. Um, so no way. Oh yeah, yeah. I have. And I actually know a few people that have finished it um, up in Vermont. Um, and, uh, they just run for days and days and days, um, take naps when they need to. Oh, is that the infinite, infinitus something? Yeah, there's an 88K, but it was a peak races 500 that they had uh, for a while. They might still have it. Um, Rob's done the, uh, Moab 240 and he has a video on it and he hallucinates snakes (laughs) for days. That sounds terrible. Courtney told me like I wasn't, you know, trying hard enough, so I had to just, essentially push myself to the mental breaking point you did but, it kermit the joke is if you're running late for a marathon and you like literally have to run to the start line finish the race like you've done an ultra <laughs> so it's it's like literally any any point beyond a marathon um it's a fascinating world it's mostly on trails so it's um it's like a totally different approach to running one that I really enjoy just because you don't have to be constantly, it's not a hundred percent effort, the hundred, you know, a hundred percent of the time you do have time to be strategic with it, at least from middle of the pack, like myself, these two, the two women you're talking to are two of the top women ultra runners in the entire world. So you got, <laughs> you bid on the good podcast, like literally. I think if you can Google that, and they are like literally exaggerating. We're not. Well, this is not the Courtney podcast. <laughs> These two can can throw down um, in amazing ways. So it's it's really cool. I mean, Kermit, what else are you wondering? Um, what does the ultra runner community have to teach recreational runners, like? I think they're the same, though, you know? I mean, there's a, like, I think, I think, Rob, actually, your whole thing, you have a book coming out. You could kind yeah, of I mean, it's, talk about that. I mean, all I'll say is, like, a lot of times the two are interchangeable. And, you know, I look up to a fast 
you know, half marathon or a fast marathon is just like totally out of reach for me. Um, and I would say I am your recreational runner. I mean, I have a full-time job and two kids and, um, yeah, I've figured out that you can be a recreational ultra runner also. So it's, it's not unobtainable. You don't have to be a super athlete to, you know, venture into a 50 K or 50 mile and have fun, have like, you know, get to experience what a cool community the ultra running community is. So I think that's what's so unique about ultra running is that you can line up, you know, just be a regular runner training your butt off for, um, like whatever goal race, hundred miler that you have or 50 miler or whatever. And you could be lined up next to, well, maybe not next to maybe behind or whatever, uh, Jim Walmsley, like, you know, or Courtney DeWalter, like two of the best ultra runners, like mm-hmm. out there right now. And you run the same exact course. I think that's like, I don't know. I think, I think they're just all Special. kind of mel- melded together. Yeah. I mean, those people, yeah. they don't do it. Like, I don't, I have a job, like I don't do this for money. <laughs> no one's paying me. I don't I think, just any, like it. I don't think any, I think it's any recreational. I just take it seriously. Right. Like, I think, yeah. And I think what's, what, what is you not unique, but what's really cool about ultras is that the longer the distance is, the more that it becomes less about your physical prowess and more about your mental prowess. Um, because I mean, physical skills are important, but I think that the mental game gets, gets very, um, very important in as the distances get further and further, which I like because I'm not super fast. I'm never going to beat somebody in a foot race in like a 10 K, but I will absolutely grind it out for miles and miles, and miles on end. Um, you know, so you know, it's really cool. Kermit too, is as we approach these longer distances, we're finding out, I think this year more than any, or in 2018, that women are becoming equally as competitive as men. And so like in the marathon, like it's, it just has always been that men have some kind of edge for whatever reason we could have whole podcast series on that. But, you know, Courtney DeWalter's kind of broken through this new territory where, you know, she is racing men and she's like arguably equally as competitive, which I think is amazing. Um, I mean, do you guys have thoughts on that at all? Would, yeah, you agree, I mean, would you agree with I, that? I, I mean, agree, but I think, yeah, that, that's like a whole other can of worms because people start to debate whether they should just be one category, men and women, and I don't think <laughs> that there should be. But, but yeah, I think I think the longer – I'm, I'm in, with Amelia. I'm not that fast. Like my marathons, I don't know. I'm never going to qualify for the Olympic trials or anything, but um, – but the longer I, I get, I can be more competitive because it is about grinding it out. And, um, yeah, I feel like my 5K pace is, is like, the same as my marathon pace. <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it's just about holding that pace for, for however long and troubleshooting. And I think it's, that's a fun challenge. It's great for shufflers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah. Kermit, you should throw your name in. you got to get a qualifier for Western States. It's a whole big art or thing you got to do, and then you then you throw your name in the hat over and over again until you get your name gets drawn. And uh, actually, they've had a couple seventy-year-old finishers in the last mm-hmm. few years. I think. Some oh of the, yeah. Some of the most exciting finishes too. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. Well, that's that's what I like about the Dipsy and the Double Dipsy, which are kind of age and something weighted. Yeah. So they've had 
lots of uh, little tiny girl runners because they get a 28 minute head start and they've been running their whole lives. And, and I think a kid named, well, there's two young kids I know, Robin Riley and uh, years ago, uh, Mary Boitano, both like won the Dipsy at age eight or nine or something because they would get fast and like, wicked fast for their age. But you were talking about marathons. Did you hear about the runner who quit her marathon at 26 miles and she missed her point two? What? But no. Is this recently? <laughs> no, that's a joke. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> weirder things happen. I, mean, I, I thought that was Yeah. <laughs> this can go on. It, the internet has opened up. I mean, speaking of can of, can of worms, like so many stories about a marathon forget where it was where someone found a stray dog and i saw that that's where i thought we were going with it <laughs> uh, like kermit uh, i'm sure you're in tune with some of these but the stories have just gotten more ridiculous after more ridiculous like um but it's also speaking to the you know the fact that marathons have become super popular and ultra running i think is gaining popularity just if anything i think people have qualified for Boston enough times or, or done whatever and they're looking for that next step and the next challenge for themselves personally and a 50k on a on a hard trail is is a good next challenge mm-hmm. Amelia so what is oh go ahead go ahead I was gonna go say ahead. Amelia what questions do you have for Kermit I was trying to flip flip it flip around it. a little bit here that lawyer on lawyer lawyer i'm not gonna ask don't worry i won't ask are you still practicing kermit uh only little projects that i take on for my personal interest gotcha that's the way to be man maybe one day i'll get there Uh, (laughs) what's your current so so do you how are you running like what's your current like running regimen like right now uh I run alternate days because I believe you should rest in between if you want your knees to last forever. Mm-hmm. So I'm like one day it'll be like uh, four to six miles and another day it'll be like three to four and another day it'll just be one to two for a warm up. So, you know, eight yeah. miles a week, but on alternate days. Nice. Nice. And are you, do you, are you on trails? Are you running in on roads? What's your, what's your choice? Uh, Mostly on trails because I like trails. I yeah. like the Dipsy Trail out to Muir Woods and back. I like uh, there's a marine watershed uh, up above Fairfax where you can run around Lake Bon Tempe yeah. uh, or Lake Lanitas, which is really beautiful down below Montana and uh, like that. Nice. Trails. Yeah. No, it. they're, they're beautiful. I think that's, that's people a always... challenge to lift your feet over the roof. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's you my, actually go ahead, Maggie. Yeah, Kermit asked a question that was interesting um, in the email when we were talking, and you asked, "Is running addictive?" Because you get antsy if you don't uh, <laughs> run. And I've been thinking about. I think about that all the time because I'm like, well, maybe it is, you know, but just not a negative addiction. Like it's just something that maybe maybe it's in our DNA that we need to move. And once you get a little taste of like what it's like to move and get those endorphins, you miss it. I don't know. Does anyone else agree? My, my, wife, my wife would say I'm a different person if I don't run. Yep. Yeah. Just saying. Just Kermit, do you get there. crabby if you don't run? <laughs> yeah, I get crabby and, 
Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. People are like, you should have other ways to cope without, you know, like, <laughs> you shouldn't have to need to run. And I'm like, you know, in terms of things that I could be addicted to, I don't think running is necessarily the worst of them. Um, so you can't turn to more coffee because that's just a bad combination. <laughs> and they don't. They probably always say that when you haven't been running. So it just really puts you on edge. Yeah. Right. Or it's like, you know, so I started running after I graduated law school, really, and was an attorney at a very large law firm. And all of my coworkers would go out after work, which we would generally wouldn't be done with work to like 830 or nine and, you know, just drink a lot. And I was like, and I got tired of that after a few months. And so that was their way of blowing off steam. And instead, I was just like, I'm going to go run now. Um, and so for me, I was like, I think I found a better coping mechanism for the stress, but Hey, <laughs> your colleagues are like, she has a problem. She's just always running <laughs> and they're at the bar. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Well, I mean, in yeah, Amelia's you know, case, uh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say in Amelia's case, she's in, in Amelia's case, she's carrying a sandbag as she's running around. <laughs> so maybe, she, maybe she does have a, um, little bit bigger issue than us runners. Now I'm just messing with you. Kermit, well, I'll ask Kermit, Amelia a question you? after, but yeah, let, I'll let Kermit go. Well, what's your blood pressure? Whenever I go into the doctor, I say 120 over 70, unless I haven't been running lately, in which case it'll be like 135 over 90 or something. But if oh, I'm, if I'm on my regular pace and regular regime, it's been 120 over 70 and you're never going to have high blood pressure or hypertension if you're out on the trail for 10 miles. Oh, I agree. I, I think that, and everyone always says running, you know, ruins your knees, it ruins your hips, it ruins your head. I'm like, no, I think inactivity does that. So I think that keeping, keeping that activity level, you know, throughout your entire life is so important to staying healthy. Yeah. So Amelia, I have a question for you. Cause like, I don't think I know this answer. Maybe other people know other people are runners. I'm sure uh, the ultra or the uh, OCR community has probably already heard this answer, but how did you decide to do obstacle course racing? Like you saw that and you were like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to. Uh, so it was actually, it was at my law firm and um, I had a coworker come in and say, Oh, I just saw this like and pulled up something on Facebook back when people still used Facebook. Uh, and it was a video about a tough, this race called tough mutter, which had just launched and there were like people carrying tires and like running through electric wires. And he's like, let's get a group together to do this. And I was like, absolutely. But I'd never run more than, I never run 10 miles before in my life. And so the race was 10 miles long. Um, and we all went out as a group together. And I think we stayed together for the first maybe half mile. And I was like, these people are really slow. And they were like, okay, fine, go ahead, Amelia. So um, then I just, I took off and I went and I ditched my coworkers, but they have since forgiven me. Did you win? So they didn't have, um, Tough Mudder didn't have timing or, or ranking or any, any type of that at that time. So I don't know. I did, I did not win, I guess, because um, we just went off in waves and heats. Um, but then I immediately signed up for their 24 hour event right after that, because I clearly thought I could run for 24 hours. <laughs> like it's attitude. like tricking you into running for 24 hours because you're doing other things, but then really you run for 24 hours. Yeah, but it's a much very different type of, um, 
like it's, it's a tired, when I finish an obstacle race, like my entire body hurts, everything hurts, your fingertips hurt. Um, and then, but like I can finish, you know, a hundred K and it's just my legs. Everything else is like, fresh as a daisy and so unless you're falling a lot unless you're running far that that too oh yeah my arms are sore my my fingertips are normally pretty good after a race just yeah yeah, me too and just totally randomly throwing this out like so you do a tough modder like what's a comparable is is there a a direct like comparison to the ultra running world like is a 20 mile i don't even know if they do that distance like comparable to a 50 miler or like, are they just so different? You can't well, it, it, it depends. So like the length, so Spartan race has an ultra length, which is generally about 25 to 30 miles. Um, and depending on the terrain, it's kind of like when people are saying, what's a good hundred K time. You're like, well, it depends on the course clearly. Yeah, course. Um, uh, but I mean, I think that, so I ran a 28 mile Spartan race and it took me like seven hours because of all the obstacles. So that's kind of, you're going slower because at some points you're crawling and you're doing monkey bars and things like that. So throwing it's, spears it's, at things. <laughs> it's funny to look at your watch because like, and to look at, to look at your, like not your splits, but like your average pace is like an 11 minute pace over it because, <laughs> but at some point, at some points you'll be running like six minute miles and at other points you'll be crawling along at like a 30 minute mile pace. <laughs> so. I mean, for Moab 240, it just depended on how far off course you went. Then we got into barbed right. wire. I don't think we had to jump over fire, but um, yeah, that's impressive. That's crazy that your fingertips could, I, I just can't even imagine that hurting <laughs> after a race. But Kermit, what's does what's Maggie the... do? Does Maggie do that uh, that obstacle stuff, or is she no. strictly? <laughs> she should. She'd be That's good her at calling. it. Yeah, I'm freakishly strong for someone who doesn't do a lot of weights. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be really good at. I I used to climb, but I was never that good. Um, and I climbed with a friend who was very good. He's very very good climber. But the only thing I could beat him at was the the hanging from the hangboard, just hanging there, like flexed <laughs> arm hang. Mm. I could always beat him. So it sounds terribly boring. I don't want to do that contest, but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, no, I don't know. I see that, and I try to imagine walking up a hill with a 60-pound gravel bucket. I, and, that's I what know. gets me, too. I see that holding something massive, like, and you can just tell, like, they're probably going uphill, and it's just like, that's so ridiculous. Like, I can't. I I don't get Rob, it. Rob, you crazy. you want to do it just to wear that outfit, right? The little <laughs> tiny shorts. <laughs> yeah, you you pretty much you're not allowed to wear clothes when you run obstacle races. I, I, I asked Amelia, I, I was like, why more... did they have to wear that? And she's like, well, think about heavy mud on loose baggy clothes. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, do I have to wear a shirt or no shirt? <laughs> No, <laughs> you're not an elite racer if you wear a shirt <laughs> joking. Um, Kermit would you ever do an obstacle race maybe uh, I think I have yeah I did really? a Spartan sprint at the AT&T yeah. uh, park one yeah absolutely they run the best, that part was, best part was doing push ups in the giant locker room mm-hmm. <laughs> did you like it was it fun it was fun. I was doing it with uh, this woman uh, from a place where I play tennis, and uh, 
she saw me and took a picture of me carrying what the hell is a sandbag. Mm-hmm. Part of the course was you going in the upper deck with your 40 pound sandbag. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the stadium races are hard because, like, you're going up and they pretty much just make you go up and down the stairs the entire time. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, the worst part the worst part was all the obstacles that I failed to complete. And having not ever done a burpee in the last five years, I think I did 100 and <laughs> goddamn oh, yeah. burpees. My butt oh, was yeah. so sore after that. Your, your, finger, your fingertips are... Do you Kermit or yeah? Oh gosh, everything hurts. Yeah, my dad. I got my dad out for his first Spartan race too, and and he was like, he was thinking that like, oh, I used to climb a rope in gym class all the time when I was you know ten, eleven years old. So surely I can do it now, sixty years later. <laughs> it was a rude awakening about how hard when you weigh a lot more, how hard it is to climb a rope. <laughs> Yeah, there's a technique to that or something. I think, remember I was like contemplating, I think this summer, trying a yeah. Spartan and I was looking at all the techniques and the videos you sent me and I was like, oh, this is so involved. <laughs> it's much easier Running is so simple. Yeah. I mean, I complain about like required gear at CCC weighing four pounds. Yeah. Like, com- compared to carrying a 40 pound bag of sand. Ugh. Yeah. A little different. I'll try it sometime. Sometime. Well, that's a good question. A lot of people, what do you run with? I see people, I'm just out there waiting for the next aid station if I if I have a race where there's an aid station. But I see people, they have their little fanny packs with eight little water bottles tucked <laughs> around them. I can't see putting all that stuff on my butt when I'm running. I can see maybe holding one water bottle in my hand. But yeah. what do you do when you run? If you don't need miles? it, don't bring it, you know? Right. I mean, everyone, I used, I used to work for a company called Nathan. They make the vest and these little hydration bo- belts with, like, eight bottles on them. And, uh, you know, like, some races you need it because it takes so long to get between aid stations, especially, like, a 200-miler. You know, you have to bring a pack and there's required gear. But, I mean, there's other people who carry, like, a tiny bottle or nothing at all because, you know, they just don't need it. Yeah. I was. I think. I think now more and more you see people bringing like, I, I mean, overpacking. I think, um, and I'm guilty of it too sometimes. And I realize like I have stuff in my pack that I don't use at all. So, I've tried to force myself to be way more minimalist when I, when I run, when I train. Um, and I actually think that training without all of that is like really good because then like if you reach a point where you're bonking and have a horrible run and you're like oh I don't have a gel or whatever to reach for like it forces you to you know kind of get through that mentally so if it happens during a race you're not you know you're not totally toast I'm I'm running at half the speed as Maggie and Amelia so I have to carry twice as much as them um, <laughs> between heat stations, but um, yeah, six water bottles on the way. It's, it's kind of like we all start off that way. Like we all start off carrying way too much. Then we yeah. get to the point where we're overconfident and we don't carry nearly enough. Mm-hmm. It's just like a vicious cycle. Like it just keeps going back and forth. Then the next race, you're like, oh, I didn't even use this. Like, why should I carry this? And then the next race, you're like, why? Why did I not carry that? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Maggie, Kermit, 
yeah you said you go up you mentioned, and I only recognize this because I have friends that go up Mount Tam all the time. Is that a climb you do all the time there? I, I, do you ever do a sunrise run once there? In, once in a while, once in a while, and there's a great set of races on uh, Memorial Day, Labor Day. What's the mm-hmm. last holiday of the summer? They do the Mount Tam hill climb, yeah. and I, I usually can't do it on on the day that they do it because I've got something else going on, like a parade or something. I got to be at so. Uh, <laughs> I do my Mount Cam hill climb uh, a week before. That's from Mill Valley, and then you go up some steps, and then you go up a street, and then you go up the Tabalpa Trail, which is just kind of a rut up mm-hmm. to the East Peak. Yeah. But it's beautiful when you get to the top. You can look all over uh, Richardson Bay and, and the whole of Marin County, and depending on the weather, you'll see like the clouds coming over the shoulder of Mount Cam from the from the west it's really beautiful at the top but but yeah that nearly killed me a couple times <laughs> that's it it's a tough climb i've every time that i've done mountain tam i've always i've never lucked out with the weather i've always ended up being like socked in and fog up there um because sometimes you're just like check you're like can i get above the clouds because you see people's pictures and you'll see they're above the inversion and it's really cool um, but yeah, last time I was up there, it was actually snowing on the top of Tam, um, which was crazy. Uh, that was last year around this time. Wow. Really? Yeah. How, how high is it? It's not that high. I mean, I think it's lower than Mount Diablo. So I think it's like 28, yeah. 27. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Cause Diablo is like 33, I think. And that's the highest peak in the area. Yeah. We don't have elevation here in California, uh, in the Bay Area at least. <laughs> you probably start from a lower, like what's it? You what's start at sea climb? level. Yeah, yeah, so that's a lot. I don't it's think we climb. have. I don't think we have a twenty-eight hundred foot climb around here that I know of. Just wait for Durango, Maggie. I know. Just wait. Yeah. I can't wait. <laughs> um, so this question's for all three of you guys. Like, what have you learned from when you started running to where you are now? Because you guys have all three of you have a lot of experience that you've gained over the years. Is there like one or two things that you're like, can I tell the, you know, the rookie runner me, like, like what have you learned over the years? Um, Maggie, I wanna do you, yeah. you want to start Maggie? And then we'll go to Kermit and Amelia. Uh, okay. I can start. Um, well, I think, uh, probably not put a ceiling on what you think you can do because that's my biggest thing that I used to do when I started running is I would pick this pace that I thought like was in what was what I should be doing and I was just thinking about this today and I used to run marathons and I'd run at this set pace instead of just running by feel and you know I used to do a ton of marath- road marathons and uh I would run like I'd be like okay I'm gonna run 830s for this until 20 miles and then I'd be like okay I feel too good like I have way too much left and I have six miles to go and I would just sprint past everybody and I would just run marathons like that instead of just going you know obviously being smart but just trying to see what I can do and I would see other athletes and be like okay so if that person can do this then I would pick something below it that I thought sounded reasonable for me to finish in like a time um so I think just don't compare yourself to anyone else and just you know, who knows what you can do. That's, that's like literally the one thing that I wish I could tell myself, just stop being safe and like you're, 
you know, you could do better than, you know, I don't know. I have no idea. Have you lost some of the fear of whatever? I don't know how you define failure, but it seems like that process, essentially, you've you've lost the fear of blowing up during a marathon, essentially. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I don't run. Yeah. Yeah. So I've tried races both ways and you kind of kind of gauge your your um, your effort level, you know, and I'm not really. The Zach Miller way doesn't work for me where you just, you know, go as hard as you can in the very beginning <laughs> and then hang on. Like, that never works for me. So, um, yeah. And I don't know. As, as soon as I had a couple really good races and, um, I mean, I, I started to expect, like, myself to be able to do – it almost flip-flop. Like, it, I expected, like, to be this, like, amazing runner. And, and now I just, like – so I'd pick things that I think I should be running because this is going to be <laughs> – awesome if you do well and then it's like devastating when you don't and so I've moved back in the last couple of years to just I'm picking things that I like and that sound really fun to me and that they're challenging because I want to do them and yeah. that's what I'm going to stick with and I'm having a lot more fun we've we've all had our Zach Miller races okay we've all <laughs> we've all thought we can hold a seven flat base for however Kermit, long you gotta look up Zach Miller <laughs> later I'll send you a video this I was guy, gonna say who's Zach Miller yeah so okay. well real quick he's nice a runner from Pennsylvania but he lives in uh, Colorado now he 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 lives on Pikes Peak he's one of the caretakers at bar camp so if you ever hike up the bar trail to Pikes Peak um about 10k up the trail um it's, I think it's like a six sixish mile hike um, yeah. Zach lives there and takes care of all the hikers that come through and makes the camp run. But he's like one of the best ultra runners in the world. And the way he runs is like, I mean, he is running like all out from the beginning. He needs to be in front. And if some guy is running faster than he can handle, I mean, which is rare, but I mean, you know, he will hang on until like his leg is like his muscle Broken. literally ripped off his bone yeah. <laughs> like during JFK. Like it, it's, he's nuts. He runs with, I mean, he's, he's, yeah, he's so fun to watch and I'll send you some videos. It's like, it's pretty crazy. Like ultra running is not that fun to watch, to be honest. Like, well, it is, but to actually just sit there and watch someone run, he's pretty, it's a spectacle. It's pretty amazing. So Kermit, Zach in a nutshell. <laughs> no, that was, that was a perfect summary. Um, now that you live in Durango, you can go do pikes now too. That'd be. Well, insane. I haven't moved yet, but yeah, but well, I've when, been off the when you're in Durango, um, Kermit, what have you learned over the years? You started running in your 30s, and now, you know, you're, you've reached 70. Like, what have you learned over that period? Uh, four things. Good shoes are important, because sometimes I've had shoes that I run too long in, and they start getting floppy, and they're not giving you any support. And then I tend to get a little bit of uh, plantar fasciitis, too, what with uh, playing tennis, too. So... Good shoes, uh, good uh, art support. Maybe that's uh, obvious. Um, number two is when you're not feeling it, you know you're going to feel better after you get out on the road. Sometimes I've had to go into a bar and say, give me a beer. I need to get motivated to run. I mean, I, <laughs> I've literally said that. But, uh, but you'll feel better if, you, uh, if, you, if you're not feeling like going out. You'll feel better after you get on the road. Number three is the opposite of something I just heard, which is don't speed up just because there's somebody ahead of you. I get this tendency <laughs> to have somebody ahead of me and a, there's a rabbit and all of a sudden, I'm, you know, it's just, it's just not my style. Just keep running at your pace and, 
and uh, and uh, I also use a tennis ball. And that may sound silly, but sometimes just to amuse myself when I'm running, I have a tennis ball and I'm carrying it with me. I got a watch. I got a uh, I got my phone in one hand, which keeps my running uh, pace. And I got a tennis ball in the other. And whenever I get bored, I kind of bounce the tennis ball on the pavement uh, just to keep something that's, that's exciting going. I haven't heard of the wow. tennis ball method. That requires there. some coordination. I don't know if I could do that. <laughs> you can chew well, gum and run. good for hand coordination. I yeah. I can hardly chew gum and run. I can hardly run. run. <laughs> I, I can't run unless I'm chewing gum. So. That's so weird. <laughs> what, and is it like caffeinated gum or is it? No, like, no. Uh, just Wrigley 5 rain. I literally <laughs> like I that's the majority of what is in my pack during races is gum. So. Amelia, what, <laughs> what have you learned? You're you're very experienced ultra runner, obstacle course runner. I mean, You've so been I, a lot. I, I also didn't start running really, um, until like my mid twenties. Um, and I think for me, the biggest thing that I have learned and that's, that's hard for me is that I have to accept that I can't, I shouldn't expect to train like everyone else trains, for instance. Um, I get kind of like, oh, well, this person is running 100-mile weeks. Why can't I run 100-mile weeks? Um, and then really kind of just, I think kind of what Maggie said, like focusing on what works for me um, and not necessarily what everyone else is doing in terms of training um, because I think that you kind of, it's, it's easy to get caught up um, with what you think you should be doing, which doesn't always necessarily work for every single person out there. So just kind of charting my own course, um, and, uh, realizing that more isn't always better. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so that's, that's been about kind of learning my limits and understanding my body and how I respond to stuff has been the biggest kind of learning process over the years. I think that's awesome. I mean, Kermit, do you have any um, any other questions for you know the group or for Amelia, Maggie? What's the strangest animal you've ever come across on a trail? And I'll tell you mine. I was running uh, on the Dipsy Trail, and I see this little black thing going around in circles in front of me, and I leaned down close, and I took a picture of it with my phone. And then I had to go to Wild Care in San Rafael and ask him, what the heck is this? Uh-huh. And they said it was a bowl. Really? I'd never seen a bowl before. Huh. It was you know, out there in the middle of the trail. Well, it was going in circles back and forth. But... <laughs> wow. Aren't they blind? What's they the don't strangest have... animal see, you've ever right? seen on the trail? Strangest animal. God, I think I've seen everything. Um, so I run, where I run down in San Jose, we have turkeys, skunks, deer. I've seen a mountain lion, bobcats. Uh, I saw a gator in Florida. That wasn't fun. Uh, but probably the scariest thing I've ever seen was a wild boar. Um, those things can be nasty. Uh, and not, they're not here in the Bay area, but, um, I, nothing will incite fear in me than a wild boar on the trail. <laughs> yeah. That would scare me. Did you Definitely not see cool. one in frozen head? No. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. They're all um, over the place. Yeah, I know. And I was like, we were definitely looking for them. 
um, this is in Tennessee, Russian wild boar were introduced. They're an invasive species. They're really not supposed to be there, and they're massive, I hear. Um, and they'll charge you if they <laughs> feel like it, I think. <laughs> but, I, yeah. I mean, I, I haven't seen anything too crazy. I think during Never Summer, I was running through a cow pasture because it, like, cuts down out of, the, like, super wild trail. And I was wearing a bright red shirt, and I realized there was a bull there. And it like locked, <laughs> it locked onto me and its head started slowly tracking me. And it was like approaching mile 50 where I was like, I, I don't, truly don't know if I can get away from this thing. Like I can't sprint. My legs are trashed. Yeah. So that was kind of fascinating. You've never seen a bear or anything? I've seen bear. No, not oh. yet. No. Oh, you're like one of those wildlife people. I, yeah, well, yeah, I've seen a lot of, I think I've seen the F. Try name me an animal and I'll tell you if I've seen it. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I just see a lot of snakes because I hate them and somehow oh. I see them all the time. I saw a snake <laughs> you have no idea. on the trail and it was like freezing cold, pouring rain, and I'm pretty sure it was dead and it had just been washed out from underneath its hiding spot. And uh, I was like, it is 20 degrees out. Why is there a snake here? It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, the rattlesnakes here are bad. Like, I literally, oh. I almost stepped on a pretty big one. I got very lucky during, you know, the sun had just dropped. Um, and I was just in conversation with one of my buddies who were running and, like, damn near stepped on it. And they're dangerous around here. So once you move to Colorado, like, um, you do have to actually be really careful. Um, yeah. There's a lot of them. I wonder if Durango has less because they're like higher up a little bit. Like I know Golden yeah. has a lot of snakes. Like, I'm at six. I'm at six thousand feet, and I almost I like I was probably at sixty two there and almost stepped on one. Um, yeah. Durango's what eight thousand feet? I yeah, think. I think it's that. Yeah, because I was googling the other that, day yeah. where how high up snakes you won't find them because like uh, steamboat. Like up in the mountains around Steamboat Springs, there's like not snakes because it's too high up. So, yeah, Amelia, hopefully. Have you, <laughs> have you trained at altitude at all? Uh, for short bits. Um, and I'm really suck at altitude. So I, I gotta, I gotta get better at that. At I some mean, point. can you work remotely from like Breckenridge for a few months? Yeah, I, I could try. I can see you just totally tearing it up after some altitude. And are yeah. you are you able to run right now? Or are you still? Yeah. Okay. Oh no, I'm running. It's just okay. I'm not back in my at my. I'm like at half mileage, working back my way up. So. Are you still planning on doing Bigfoot 200? Uh yeah, still on the okay. calendar. What inspired What inspired <laughs> the the leap in distance to the 200 miler? Uh, because I've never done anything in the way that I sh quote unquote should do it. Um, the best times that I've ever had in a race or when I've gone into something completely out of my comfort zone. So, I mean, I started, I did that one, one tough letter and then I went straight to a 24 hour event. My first Spartan race was an ultra beast was a 28 mile race and I worked my way down to the three mile ones. So I clearly instead feel like the same logic applies to ultras we'll find out if it does <laughs> <laughs> so i don't mean to hijack here i have a patreon supporter rob who's like if a pop tart has no icing and a filling other than fruit is it still a pop tart oh dear god no it's ravioli <laughs> <laughs> so you've gotten that question before i think yeah. that's funny so kermit 
uh, Amelia is obsessed with Pop Tarts as a snack for, I don't know, you don't eat them for like breakfast, but no. like an, an endurance <laughs> food. And so she's Pretty known great. as yeah. being obsessed with Pop Tarts. So people always ask her questions about Pop Tarts. <laughs> uh, Kermit, do you what have a favorite go to snack food? What is a oh, Pop Tart? Oh, what's a Pop Tart? Oh my God, Amelia, this is a made for you question. Yeah, I don't even know. How do you describe it? I mean, it's it's a it's made by Kellogg's, um, and it is. <laughs> they haven't signed is, you yet, have they? I know they have not. They they will not. I'd love them to sponsor me, but it's pretty much like a, a like a toaster pastry. So it's like fruit or fruit or chocolate or cinnamon filling surrounded by a pastry. I guess is that how you describe well, that, it? It's, it's, Made for like right before school, you have two seconds. Throw yeah. something in, you know, get it ready for the kids. Six grams of sugar, <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> that would make it a pre. A pre, not like an mre. Yes. yes, like an MRE, but a pie ready to eat. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much exactly. That is that is how that I'm just going to call them pre's from History, now on. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, it's probably packed with calories. It's light. Yep. Um, don't MREs, aren't they supposed to block you up so you don't have to go to the bathroom in the field, basically? <laughs> yeah. Sure, there's no fiber in Pop-Tarts, so you're great. But... <laughs> I've never I've never heard that exactly. Oh, no. someone yeah. told me that. MRE. Yeah, I know. I've heard that, too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking Bigfoot, mile 150, just go to go to the Pop-Tarts. Yeah. That's They're kind of heavy. They're kind of like heavy. Velveeta, I like Velveeta crackers. You know huh? Velveeta? Yeah. They make crackers? I did not know that. Is that like cheese well, that's made? No, well, no. Belvita is like a toasted, uh, weedy thing in different flavors, like blueberry and thingy. I don't know. Wow, They're I got to look that up. I have never heard of that. <laughs> is that your go-to snack food that you like for, you know? What, do you eat during your runs ever? Or do you, you don't, I mean, you're a minimalist guy. You don't probably use anything. No, I don't, I don't know. No. What's everyone's recovery foods? Do you have like a go-to post-run food or snack or, I mean, if yes, you Rob, did a big race, let's hear Rob, it. It's Tailwind <laughs> Rebuild. It's <laughs> <laughs> uh, great. It's pea protein. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna need to do Kermit's run, which is the the run across the bridge to Sausalito, and then the margaritas and chips. I, I mean, that yeah. sounds phenomenal. I, I'll fly into so, San Francisco for that one. Yeah, that's funny because I started. Well, if running. you do that, then you can you can sit at the Janis Joplin table because Janis Joplin had her own table at the Trident. Right. No way. The uh, Kermit run. That actually sounds like it'd be fun. Really we'll make, good. It a, make it a Strava segment. Stra- yeah, that in like a YouTube video. And Kermit, you should come along too, obviously. Great. I, I've never figured out what the hell Strava is. <laughs> and you're better for it. <laughs> yeah, truly. It's nothing. It's a waste of time. <laughs> I use it because I'm lazy. I don't want to track my mileage. So it just automatically stores all that information. So on the rare occasion, I feel like I need to look back and analyze things but i actually don't look back that much so i was looking forward and there you um, go. I'll, I'll try to segue that into um what what are you guys looking at going forward are are both of the the women going to be showing up at barkley do you know that yet like what's what's on the table for you kermit down the road too 
Well, I'd rather hear what Maggie and Amelia are going <laughs> to I was going to defer to either of you. <laughs> right. Does anyone exactly. want to answer this question or was this just no, so no, poorly thought out? <laughs> Come in, I'll, I'll email you the answer. <laughs> I'm looking forward to Bigfoot 200. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's what I got. I'm and I'm, I got to focus on moving all my stuff to Colorado. <laughs> oh, man. Kermit, what do you have on the schedule? Uh, I'm just trying to see if I can, you know how people enter the Dipsy, it's random lottery. I'm yeah. trying to see if I can get a nephew who's a cross-country runner. So he can do he can do three or four or five, and right. I can I can take him out for a practice, see if I can get him into the Dipsy so I could run the Dipsy with a nephew. Oh, that'd be fun. Is that in April? Uh the entries, I think, uh, what am I thinking, March 21st or something, and then yeah. the first week in June is the Dipsy. Oh, oh that's okay. one of my, I was going to ask you, what are your pet peeves about races that you've uh, run? And my pet peeve is, maybe I put this in an email already, they, they compress the time between the Dipsy and the Double Dipsy to one week, apparently because yeah. there's another race coming up after the double dipsy that they wanted people to be able to get to. But for, for rec runners, it's hard to turn around between a dipsy and a double dipsy. Yeah. Oh, like the recovery time you're saying between the two races. Yeah. 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 No, that's not, that's not fun. Cause nobody wants to have to do that back to back for sure. Well, some people do, but yeah. <laughs> some not people. Are, well, yeah, so, I, I guess. Yeah. No, go ahead, Matt. Well, I think I remember Kermit asking that question, and it was a, I think you worded it like, what race changes do you dislike most? Or like, what has changed? Like, mm-hmm. I would take, I could take it more as like, you know, what has changed in general in racing? And I feel like I haven't been in ultras long enough to know, but I've heard other people talk about, and like, kind of similar to what Kermit was saying, where all these races you used to be able to go and sign up for, you just can't now. They're all lottery and they sell out. And, you know, like, for example, like Hard Rock, getting into Hard Rock is just, I know some people keep throwing in and they're in their seventh year and they haven't gotten in. So I'm sure that's really frustrating and that sucks. I mean, it's cool that a lot of people are getting into ultra running, but I'm sure that's really frustrating. So, I mean, yeah, yeah I haven't been, a long, I've been around long enough to, I've seen one reroute for CCC that I was not a fan of. Um, but other than that, yeah, I'm too new to even answer that question. But Amelia, I mean, yeah, well, I mean, I'm too new to ultra. Well, I got I. So I'll tell you actually something that I wish would happen, um, and this is more is I really wish that there was no cruise. I would love ultras to just be crewless. You know, that's that cool. Like, yeah, I and and I actually would look. I look to races to find races that are like where you aren't allowed to have crews because I feel like it's, I don't know. I mean, you're at a super disadvantage if you don't bring one. Um, and that's a lot to ask of people sometimes depending on the race. Um, and so I don't know, back in the day and with obstacle racing, we weren't allowed to have crews for like 24 hour races. And now it's like a NASCAR pit in there. Um, and you're not going to do well unless you have, you know, like four people helping you out. So, I don't know. I would I would love to see races that are a bit more old school and it's just like fend for yourself out there. I think the Carl Meltzer survive. agrees. 
right, Rob? <laughs> I mean, I honestly, if it can open up slots for like a Western States, um, yeah. I know Hard Rock has trouble because of how many cars are at, you know, eight stations. And right. honestly, doing Moab 240, I brought in like an all star crew. Um, and afterwards, I'm like, ah, like that was that was a lot. I asked a ton of people, but I also feel like, like maybe next year I run Moab 240 without anybody just to see like the difference in how that experience goes. Yeah. Um, that's that's a little different. Well, I mean, maybe you don't need crew. I don't know. You know, and a lot like Western states, maybe you're at a disadvantage. But the the, the aid stations are so good. There's like four volunteers like on you. Um, but like, I, I think for you know the the 200 milers maybe don't need crew but i feel like sometimes safety. pacers yeah because yeah. you're so sleep deprived like i think maybe it's a safety issue yeah 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 no yeah. when it's a safety issue okay. i agree with that it's just i don't know if we can get 50 more people in western states or whatever that number could be like i don't know no it, it's life changing um, races the and, first part the 50 yeah. well the, the high country part is where the it's very limiting for the permits and it's 269 people or whatever or 469 people whatever the number yeah, is two uh, yeah, I think. so there's no I think way that, they would I think there's a them. movie I think there's a movie there all the mean rich girls have these expensive crews <laughs> and then the poor girl is running crewless <laughs> yeah pretty much you get it pretty much I think we need to start with yeah. a movie about ultra running <laughs> like yeah. a big time movie um that's cool kermit let's let's end with your your question um because you were kind enough to uh, donate so much this really cool cause and you know it's awesome that you're a runner and honestly my goal over the long run is to just be able to run um if i can run at 72 i would say you know my ultra running career was successful um but what what question do you want to end on? Well, that's the question I asked. What's a reasonable weekly running regime if you want to run for a long time, i.e. like uh, Jack Kirk at 80, run the Dipsy Demon? I mean, how many miles How many miles a year or how many miles a week? Or what if you want to run forever until you drop dead going up cardiac? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think that would be Amelia a fitting said, place. <laughs> yeah, like earlier, Amelia said, like everyone, her, her training load is different than other people. So it's kind of like I have a friend named Gene Dykes, and he is 70, 70 or 71. Um, and he runs, his race schedule is insane for next year, it, for this year. It, it's like 50 something races. So it's like a race a weekend, and there's stacked with 100 milers and ultras and marathons where he's trying to run under three and the guy does a lot of volume and he can handle it and he's you know i think he started running in his like 40s or whatever but everyone's different and like kermit you said you run like 40 to what 40 to 60 miles or 30 to 40 miles a, um, a month so like yeah. you know that's what works for you and like mm -hmm. what if you increased it i don't know and like i can't do 200 i mean 200 mile weeks i just i don't have the time for that maybe i could handle it i have no idea i've only done it if i had a race and then you know whatever um it just adds up but i i think it's different for everybody i don't think there's a magic number yeah i think some people do really well with high mileage and like they feel better when they're running more um and then others you know break down so i think it's almost like 
trying to like process trial and error, like increase, you know, slowly for a few weeks. And like, if you feel better then cool or like back. So it's just kind of like figuring that, that cadence out for yourself. I, I agree with both of them. Honestly, it's do what, do whatever works for you. And I mean, if anything, you have the answer because you're running at 72. So yeah, I mean, tell us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I know. Um, I truly aspire to do that, especially yeah. on trail. And it sounds like you're doing some cool races every now and then. So Kermit, you're, you have the answer. You tell us, <laughs> but I, I appreciate everyone's time. And, uh, again, Kermit, thank you. And, and Maggie, do you want to close it out? Just, you know, this was sort of your podcast takeover for, um, for your cause and your, your charity. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you, Kermit. I mean, you're a huge reason that we reached this crazy goal, um, which is like, I don't know, 250 times the goal. <laughs> I don't know. Um, and yeah, run for water. Um, I'll update everybody, you know, once Greg gets some more details on exactly what the nine, $9,000 we raised is going to go towards. And, um, Kermit, I, I'm sure my travels will take me to San Francisco area soon. And I would love to do the run to the Janis Joplin bar and get some guacamole with you. So Seriously. we should definitely stay in touch. <laughs> yeah, that's a good day. Any day you can uh, run down to Sausalito and finish up with a picture of margaritas is a good day. Yeah. Sounds good. I really appreciate thank you. you thank know, you for the, the opportunity to talk to all you people who, uh, yeah. uh, Moab, Moab 240? What the heck is that? <laughs> that sounds... I'll send you a video of Rob's, too. <laughs> Don't think less of me after seeing the video. <laughs> awesome. Okay. Thank yeah. you. Right. Yeah, Thanks, thank Kermit. You guys. Bye. Bye-bye. And that's episode 77. Big thank you again to Maggie, Amelia, and Kermit great charity episode i mean what a what a cool cause what an amazing cause i should say and yeah thank you to the show sponsors destination trail exoskin ultimate direction hammer nutrition and Sufferfest beer and big thank you to the patreon supporters i'm going to try to get more involved here now that my book is finally finished for the most part <laughs> it's headed off to the printing presses here soon if you haven't pre-ordered trainingforultra.com you can pre-order a copy and i'll make sure to sign all those uh, physical pre-order copies it's also available on amazon for your kindle i'm working on an audio edition also but might be a few weeks delay we'll see how that turns out but thank you guys for the support hope you enjoyed the episode don't forget to enjoy your training